Hello and welcome to TechCast, a podcast by Tech Doms. Stay with us to learn about our latest this week's news about iOS 13 revamping health and reminders, new macOS 10.15 updates by music app, new A13 chip coming to the next iPhones this fall, Google Pixel 3a review, this is Google's new smartphone coming right up, and rumors suggest iOS 13 will not come for iPhone 5s, iPhone SE, iPhone 6 and 6 Plus. Stay with us, we're coming back. So, starting up with this week's best news, we have Google's new smartphone called Pixel 3a. So, uh, this is the most important thing to say right now, that if you want to buy a smartphone in a price range between $300 and $500, the Google Pixel 3a or Pixel 3a XL, that's the biggest smartphone Google created, is the best smartphone you can buy right now. It's the best phone in that price range and it's also competitive with the most expensive phones having only one thing that ranks in so high up, the camera. For the past years, buying a phone came up with a big rule. If you wanted a good camera, you needed to spend at least $600. You could either do that or buy an old iPhone as famous about their cameras or just about a used or refurbished one. On the other side, Android phones have become quite great recently, starting first with their cameras, which in the past were quite mediocre. The 399 Pixel 3a and Pixel 3a Plus, uh, 6L sorry, don't follow the above rule. While you maybe see some compromises similar to other cheap phones, the actual smartphone can take photos that are nearly identical to the Pixel 3. The Pixel 3 can cost from $200 to $300 and more. Personally, I can say that a $400 phone has a camera that almost surpasses every other phone's camera right now. I know this is unbelievable. Talking about the pros and cons of the new Google's phone, um, I'm gonna say uh, this is a low price phone, excellent camera, and it contains a great version of Android. About the cons, um, this is a slow processor one, no wireless charging and not water resistant. On first sight, the Pixel 3a phones are nearly identical to the Pixel 3 phones. The 3a models are just a bit taller than the 3 ones, but that's for a headphone jack brought back for the motto on the top of the screen. Yeah, this is the headphone jack we were talking about previously. The bottom speakers are down instead of front facing but generally the aesthetics are extremely familiar to the Pixel 3. They have the same matte glossy fingerprint pro- uh, sensor on the back of them. The screen sizes are very close, though the Pixel 3 XL doesn't have the unsightly notch of the 3 XL and 3A phones also use OLED panels under the glass. Although they have plastic around its corners and the whole body, the 3A phones don't feel or look cheap at all. The 3A and 3A XL 
come in black, white, and a new color called purplish. The Pixel 3a is going to be sold by more carriers this year, such as Verizon, T-Mobile, Sprint, US Cellular, and Google Fi, which they will carry and of course support financing options and troubleshooting right from the stores. That comes after many user concerns about repair and replacements without having physical stores to go. About the rest of the world, carrier support was just the same as last year, but unfortunately the prices for the UK are $399 and $469 respectively. Pixel phones run a smoother, faster and cleaner version of Android which just raises its company's way of displaying their Android version such as Samsung, LG or Huawei. It is more disturbing at pushing some Google services than those other phones but the trade-off is that Google has guaranteed to get the latest Android updates as soon as, soon as they're out of for the next three years for times the phone is released. The Pixel 3a has made an absolute impression to me on its photographing skills and it looks nearly identical to the Pixel 3, which until very recently was the best camera on a phone. It is one of the best cameras for now, better than iPhone XR and clearly among the best between the Samsung Galaxy S10 and the iPhone XS. The 12.2 megapixel sensor and F plus 1.8 lens on the back are the same as the Pixel 3, as is the single 8 megapixel selfie cam on the front. The only hardware difference is that the Pixel 3a lacks Google's custom Pixel Visual Core processor, so it has to do its image processing on the main CPU and GPU. That change may lead to some different images processing choice, but if so, they're super hard for me to spot. The main difference is that images take longer to save. The camera takes about 2 seconds to fully launch from the lock screen, but after that it has an instant shutter. It also supports all the same camera features as the Pixel 3, Night Sight, Dancing AR Cartoons, Top Shot and the new time lapse feature coming to all Pixel phones. When you're on the thought of buying a good camera phone, you usually end up thinking about the ones and on the high lines. You finally end up zooming to the pixels and taking about the ISOs and contrast differences. You try to compare portrait modes features and blur background ones. After a big comparison on the camera of the Pixel 3a and the 3a XL, I have found a way to say that you can that time take picture with two different phones that look the same. To say everything, the Pixel 3 photos seem better in contrast and detail in some cases, but without Adobe Lightroom, a good monitor and a photography expert to take you through the differences, you can notice them so easily. Of course, there are better cameras surpassing the, P the Pixel 3 in some ways. For instance, the, the, the Huawei P30 Pro has a better zoom and good low light shots. Talking about videos, there is not much difference between the Pixel 3 and the Pixel 3a. The good news stopped there, as the Pixel 3 can't quite compete with the iPhones and Galaxy phones for video quality. But to be honest, 
these phones cost a lot more than the Pixel 3a. And I cannot stress enough to think about an iPhone and a phone which costs $400 and has nearly the same camera as an iPhone or a Galaxy One. There's one important photo difference between the Pixel 3a and the Pixel 3. Free backups to Google Photos. On the Pixel 3, you can get free unlimited backups of the original resolution photos you've taken with the phone. The Pixel 3a is limited to free high quality backups and it needs and it makes you pay for some for more storage if you upload too many original quality photos just like any other phone. I suppose that's one way to help get that 399 price, but I think it's a cheap move. By now you're probably thinking fine looking phone, great plot great plot price, good software, great camera. What's the catch? Well, there are a few big ones and lots of little ones. Every smartphone, especially every inexpensive smartphone, has trade-offs. Google has to pick some battles to win and some to lose to hit this price point. If you aren't spending enough of $700 to buy a phone, you're going to have to give a few things up. The most important catch is speed. The Pixel 3a is not fast. You'll absolutely notice it when you are opening an app for the first time in a while because it would take a second or so longer to load than it would on more expensive phones. When you take a photo that requires some kind of more intense processing like HDR or portrait that will take longer too. Web pages tend to load in instead of snapping instantly into place. You'll notice it especially if you're coming from a rel- relatively recent high-end phone. And then you won, or at least I didn't. I am a long time Pixel user, and within minutes of using the phone, I wasn't put off by the lag. It didn't occur to me that I was using a phone with a slower processor because I just never perceived the lag. I don't think I'm being some kind of apologist here either. I've shown this phone to several of my colleagues and asked if it felt slow. And the universal response was, I guess, maybe. But it seems totally fine to me. The Pixel 3a uses a Qualcomm Snapdragon 670 processor, which is a new mid-range processor that's a bit of an overachiever. It's not as fast as the Snapdragon 845 Pixel 3 has, or 855 Galaxy S10 and lots of other 2019 phones have. It's nowhere near as fast as the processor of the iPhone XR or XS is. Still, once an app is up and running, it is as good as it would be like on Pixel 3. Heck, I even managed to stay alive for several hour, half hour PUBG Mobile games without adjusting away from the default high graphics settings. One note of caution, the Pixel 3 has earned a reputation in the Android community for inexplicable slowdowns. Some of those problems have been improved with software updates, but not at all. Over time, lots of phones have a tendency to slow down. If you have a phone that already starts slower than a flagship out of the gate, it would be at risk that it won't have the staying power of more expensive phone. The second catch is the screen. A great screen has become a must-have 
for phone to be considered premium and it's a big part for what you're paying for. The best screens on the market go edge to edge with wraparound sides. They have incredibly high resolutions, near perfect color reproduction and get blindingly bright. Some even have high refresh rates which makes them feel you're moving a physical object instead of coaxing pixels into disappearing and reappearing as you scroll. The Pixel 3a doesn't go in any form of that, but it is nevertheless a better screen that you would normally get on a phone in sprite range. It's OLED for one thing which means that you get perfectly black plaques and an always on display to show the time and notifications. The front panel may be surrounded by a plastic rail, but it is real hardened glass, it's just that it's dragon tail glass instead of corning gorilla glass. Unfortunately, I have no idea yet if that means it's more crack or scratch prone. I noticed a bit of variation in screen temperatures across the Pixel 3a and 3a XL and the regular Pixel 3 modes. The 5.6 inch Pixel 3a in particular was a little warmer than it would probably should have been. If you're familiar with, this, with the history of Pixel phones, I'll put it this way. Both 3A models have more color accurate screens than the Pixel 2 XL. On a $1000 plus phone, you should absolutely nitpick the screen. It should be a pristine expanse of bright, completely invisible pixels. I don't think a 400 phone needs to be held to the same standard, but that doesn't mean you should accept crap. This isn't a crap screen, it's good and I had no problems with it. We are used to live in a world where good and pricey phones have thin metal around the display and generally the whole phone itself, but this is one, but this one is made of polycarbonate. I, uh, it doesn't have glass to be melted around the frame though. You can clearly see that the bezels are, yeah, are bigger above and below the screen but no notch. There's no second camera on the front or the back. The, fring the fingerprint sensor is sitting at the back of the phone instead of under the screen and you won't get a face recognition feature either. I personally don't have such an ache about all these features and the Pixel 3a is not a premium phone but it's certainly well designed, simple and comfortable. The only real adornment is the classic Pixels 2 tone finish on the back. The top of it is glossy, the majority is matte. It still supports the squeeze to launch Google Assistant feature. You can pick from three colors with the names just black, simply white and the new purplish. There's one build quality trade-off that I wish Google had made, the Pixel 3a isn't water resistant. Everything else about this phone including the price make you feel like it can be knocked out device that you don't have to worry about, but you'll have to worry about it getting doused with liquid. There are a lot of little things you'll miss out on the Pixel 3a, some of them might matter to you, but I strongly suspect most will not. It doesn't have front-facing stereo speakers, the bottom speaker fires downward, but it still gets plenty loud and sounds alright. It doesn't support wireless charging, this one's a bummer, but it's not surprising. It doesn't have the fastest possible networking, 
if you are on a Wi-Fi network that could push through more than 600 Mbps, you won't be able to achieve that. You're almost surely not near such a network. The only storage option is 64 GB and, and there's no SD card support to expand it. It doesn't support Daydream VR. It can do wide-angle selfies like the Pixel 3 can. And I'm annoyed enough by the fact that you don't get Google Photos original resolution backup for free to mention it again. Add up to all of the sketches from the speed to the screen to the build quality to the above list. Are those things worth 300 or more? For a lot of people the answer is clearly yes. Especially in an age when people are upgrading their phones less frequently and amortizing the cost of them over two or three years, I can definitely see the case for buying the nicest thing you can possibly afford and hanging on for to it for as long as possible. But I really think for the, the most of the people that the answer is no. That's because the list of the catches doesn't include the stuff that usually makes a cheap phone suck. The Pixel 3a has an excellent battery life for example. Both the small, the small one and the big one lasted all day for me with screen on time well north of 4 hours which is better than what I, what I get in the Pixel 3a. It also isn't filled with the kind of plotware that manufacturers usually lay cheap phones with it in a desperate bid of to offset the cost and increase the profit margin. It's just a clean, googlified version of Android. That does mean that it's a little more Google in places like the home screen, the camera and the assistant, but that's a damn sight better than what sub $500 phones usually get. The biggest catch, you don't have to deal with this one. I've already droned one about. Cheap phones have always had bad cameras. The Pixel 3a has an excellent camera. Also, it has a headphone jack. Am I recommending this phone? Finally, yes. If you want a phone between 300 and 500 bucks, you won't find a better option. In head-to-head -head comparison with all these phones, you're probably familiar with from the iPhone X lineup to the Pixel 3 to the Galaxy S10, the Pixel 3a will lose. I don't know if the cost savings and the expanded carrier support will be enough to make this phone popular, but I know this. I have been waiting for Google to make this exact phone for something like 5 years. Google used to make phones that were ridiculously good for the price. 2013's $349 Nexus 5 is still the pinnacle of the inexpensive excellent phone. Since then, prices across the industry have gone up, up and up again, so I'm glad Google is getting back to those roots. This is the kind of phone Google should be making, something really good and really affordable. Coming next to the new A13 chip coming to 2019 iPhones this fall. Supply chain sources have previously reported that the Apple A13 chip will be built by TSMC on a 7nm plus process. In an article posted today, Bloomberg says 
but the A13 chip is now in trial production and could ramp up to mass production later in May. The A13 chip will be used in the next generation iPhone lineup, the 5.8 inch iPhone 11, 6.5 inch iPhone 11 Max and a successor to the 6.1 inch iPhone XR. Apple has forged down its own path with GPU and CPU chips silicon to great success, relying on TSMC as its manufacturing partner for its custom designs. Apple's lead in mobile chip performance means that even previous generation iPhones rival flagship Android devices in performance benchmarks. B5 versions of its iPhone chips ultimately make their way into iPads too. Apple is widely believed to be developing its own chips for future Macs. It's unclear when the first Apple ARM-powered Mac devices will ship, although it is likely to come to a laptop form factor first, like the 12-inch MacBook. In addition to the A13 chip deals, Bloomberg says that the iPhone XS successor is codenamed D43 and the new iPhone XR is codenamed N104. Each model will gain an extra camera for the iPhone 11, adding an ultra-wide lens. Bloomberg says Apple's iPhone hardware upgrades will enable more detailed photos on a border game range of zoom. Bloomberg says that the iPhone 11 cases will increase in thickness but by amount by about uh, 0.5 mm to accommodate the triple camera system. Makatakara previously reported similar measurements. Bloomberg also backs up recent renders that show the new camera bump as a square design. The site also says that the Apple will enable users to charge the wireless charging AirPods by placing it in the back of the iPhone 11. Belodder power charging for the iPhone was first detailed by Ming-Chi Kuo and is already seen in flagship Android devices. Bloomberg today posted a lengthy report on what they expected and what is the most obvious to be revealed on iOS 13, watchOS 6 and macOS 10.15. Apple will officially announce the new operating systems at WWDC on June 4. According to Bloomberg's report, Apple will include some new features and changes in the Reminders app, updates to iMessages and Apple Books frequent location options in maps and more. Apple Watch itself will get a new calculator, audiobooks and voice memos apps as well as adding an on-device app store so users can download apps directly from their Apple Watch. For iOS 13, Apple will focus as always on performance and and speed improvements according to Bloomberg. New animation tweaks and a cleaner look will come along for the widget screen. However, iOS 13 won't be just a speed and performance update. The most anticipated dark mode for iOS is described as black and gray appearance and and it will the most toggleable from the control center. The health app 
will be upgraded with some new features including a new screen that shows the daily report of your health. It will also track new metrics such as how loud you play your music and add more comprehensive support for menstrual cycling tracking. As previously we reported from TechToms, iOS 13 and macOS 10.15 will come with new reminders app. Bloomberg suggests a much more redesigned app with a grid layout with sections for tasks due day, scheduled tasks, flag tasks and more. Bloomberg also reports the sidecar feature which will add a second screen experience for Mac and iPad users. Screen time will also gain new features including parents to take control of their kids on screen time. For instance, screen time could be configured such that friends can only be messaged in set hours of the day, offering more fine-grained control than limiting the entire messages app as is possible today. For iMessage, Bloomberg says that the iOS 13 will let customers set an account profile picture. There will also be new Animoji and Memoji sticker versions available in special sections of the UI. Maps will add frequent locations. Mail will gain the ability to block incoming mails from certain contacts. And the report goes with our article about the Find My Friends and Find My Phone into a single app. Bloomberg also reports that Apple is launching a new sleep mode that will, that will darken the screen, enable Do Not Disturb, and will mute no- notifications. The actual integration will be along with the bedtime alarm in the clock app and could somehow work with the Apple Watch itself for sleep tracking capabilities. The Post also reports that the Home app will gain new abilities with better integration on security cameras and added past recordings viewability. Right now, HomeKit camera must open the app to see a live feed of the camera or passively wait for notifications. Apple is also testing the share sheet with personalized recommendations on who to send to testing its system standard swipe keyboard and the Safari browser may add a download manager feature. The iPad will also get a new update including another multitasking feature, a tweaked home screen and the ability to switch between different versions of a selected app. We previously wrote about iOS 13 iPad features including new panel system and multiple Windows support. For accessibility, Apple is reportedly moving the accessibility menu in settings app to a more prominent location on the root page of the settings navigation. There also appears to be a concerted effort to improve support for hearing aids across Apple platforms in addition to the hearing health features mentioned previously. Apple Watch users will also get new updates for the upcoming watchOS 6. There will specifically be an App Store Apple Store app in the watch which will allow users to directly download apps from their device making it, making it more independent for the paired iPhone. Apple will be making some new changes on the apps to the platform including voice memos, Apple Books for listening to audiobooks, calculator and health apps 
dose and cycles for tracking medication and menstrual cycles. There will also be a new watch faces complication ad- added according to Bloomberg. There will be a new gradient face, a classic California face with Roman and Arabic numerals, a solar analog face that reportedly looks like a sundial and an infograph subdial face that features larger complications. New complications include battery statues for hearing aids and companion to the books app for audiobooks play and more. The Bloomberg report focuses less on the macOS but reiterates the main theme of 2019 update being the UI kit on the Mac Marzipan initiative. Bloomberg previously reported Apple's internal plans that the Marzipan project would take place over a three-year rollout. Bloomberg also corroborates TechDoms' earlier report on the addition of the screen time and series shortcuts to macOS as well as the introduction of standalone podcasts and music apps to the Mac. Bloomberg says that the Mac will get a new combined Find My iPhone and Find My Friends app and interestingly notes that the Apple Music app is developed as a standard Mac program and will not be made with the cross-platform Marzipan framework. Finally, the HomePod is also getting some love with some form of multi-user support. This feature would allow the HomePod to distinguish between the different voices spoken to it and other different features to its user. Right now, the HomePod responds to any voice the same. A multi-user mode will make the device more useful in shared family environments and make it more competitive with Google Home and Amazon Echo devices which already offer multi-user functionality. Continuing in the Apple section, we have a new, the new Mac OS 10.15 new update about the music app code based on iTunes and not the iOS. We've previously discovered the new standalone music app for the next major version of Mac OS 10.15. According to that post, the new music app would be made using Marzipan that lets iOS app run on the Mac. We recently were informed that this information was correct after reaching out with the OS developer team. The new macOS app will be an AppKit application based off of iTunes. It will include many features the current iTunes user make use of, including things such as smart playlists, advanced library management, syncing with iPods and iOS devices, and even disk reading and burning. The final version of the upcoming update will be the last one coming from iTunes 12.7, which was updated to focus on music, movies, TV shows, podcasts, and audiobooks, with new standalone apps for all media types on macOS 10.15, iTunes becomes focused on just music and gets renamed to music, like its counterpart on iOS. It's possible that the older version of iTunes will be kept available for users who need extra features, as with the current version that's available for, to, for download and includes App Store support for ringtones 
and other legacy features. Last but not least, we are talking about the rumor that suggested for the iOS 13 that the new update Apple is releasing will not come for iPhone 5S, iPhone SE, iPhone X and iPhone X Plus. So rumor just came today for iPhoneSoft.fr that suggests that the iOS 13 will not be making its way into the previous generation iPhones. With iOS 12, Apple let every device that previously ran iOS 11 receive the new update, boosting performance and devices all the way back to the iPhone 5S. If the report is to be believed, then it is the end of the road for a large chunk of devices. The report specifically supports that the iOS 13 will not come for iPhone 5S, SE, iPhone X and XS Plus. First revealed in 2014, iPhone X, iPhone 6 and iPhone 6 Plus was an incredible selling series holding the crown of the best selling series of iPhones even now. If the report is correct, then there will be a substantial pile of devices not receiving the new update coming in September. The iPhone 5S users will get an update more than iPhone 6 users, but iPhone SE, SE users will be drawing the short straw here as the product is only 3 years old. It seems that Apple is trying to stop supporting 4-inch iPhones with iOS 13. Ending compatibility with iPhone 5S and SE would achieve that. About the iPads, iPhoneSoft says that the only that only the iPad Mini 2 and the iPad Air will not be receiving receiving the upcoming iOS 13 update. The iPad Air was launched in 2013, the same year as iPhone 5S. All of that are just rumors until Apple officially announces iOS 13 at WWDC on June 3rd. That was all the news we've collected this week here in Tech Doms. We try to receive the best news for you and sharing them with TechCast. Thank you everyone for staying up with us and have a great week.